Hello, everyone, and welcome back to my pleasure, my favorite solo podcast that I keep all week. I've been referring to it in my head as Weird Adults, which is a solo podcast that I had for like, I don't, I have no idea how long, but it feels like many years, many years ago. And I think that is a sign of some excitement I'm feeling about this podcast because, you know, last week we had Dave on and I got the, I got the old podcast equipment out and I'm just inspired and ready to go. So we'll see, but welcome back. Thank you for coming back with us and I appreciate you. I've got to say this week, I am more excited than ever to be having to be having, to have someone to talk to because I have been sick this week and I have been so isolated. Dave has been gone. It's just been me and Donut and I feel so bad for her. I have been the most boring like mommy to her, this poor dog, and she's had no Dave. So I've really just had all this time to like have no energy and be in bed and feel like shit and then feel a little better and be so excited about feeling better. And I mean, so many people are sick right now. I know that you guys can relate. I mean, this, this cold, not that anyone should care, but it's been such a weird one because it's never gotten like that bad, but at the same time, it's not good. (laughs) It's not good. Um, the mornings and nights, what is it about a cold that like you can kind of be okay during the day, but then at morning and night, you're just, it's like all bets are off. It's a whole different beast. I mean, when I say S-N-O-T, boy, do I mean it. Anyways, um, I've been sick. You already know that. And I'm really eager to have someone to talk to. I, I'm like, I, I've, I woke up this morning and was like, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. And then, you know, when that happens, I just kind of like free write and I, a subject hit me over the head like a ton of bricks and it, it has nothing to do with being sick. Oh, wait, wait. Before I get to that, I wanted to tell you the marvelous benefit of this sickness that I have where I'm like, the whole time I've been, is it almost worth it to have this? Because I've now officially gone six days with no coffee and no mm -hmm, THC. (laughs) And I know that if Dave were here, he'd be like, it's sad that you're bragging about that. But for me and my journey, that's right, I'll use the J word. That's actually been a really big deal because believe it or not, I think it's safe to say that I've had a little weed at least every night of 2022. So I've kind of been looking down this life of mine and I'm like, am I ever going to like not be able to have weed? And so this is like a big step of progress for me. And who knows, maybe I'll get better and then I'll just be back to my old ways. And that's probably what will happen. But It's just good to know that I can really be functioning without it, and I feel a lot better about that. That's so embarrassing to share. Oh my God, I'm like a drug addict, but whatever. Who cares? And also, I have just been in such an extra 
love affair with caffeine lately. So it's really exciting. This is such drug addict talk. Like I'm just so excited to have my caffeine tolerance go back down and like be able to get reared up again with it. That's something I'm really looking forward to. That I will not be giving up. I'm like, although I read online that some people recommend drinking coffee every other day, which just seems like so torturous. Like I, I get it. I can see how that would really make the caffeine kick like extra good every time you have it every other day. But those days where you wake up and are not having it, like how would you not just be so sad? So I don't know. Anyways, enough about me having a substance abuse problem with two very minor, minor substances. Um, I woke up and I got hit over the head with so much passion and excitement for what I wanted to talk about today. And I don't think it's going to make sense to you. I think you're going to be like, why is that so random? Like, it doesn't really have anything to do with being sick. Definitely not. But I want to talk to you guys about, and and I just want a disclaimer for the like 30 of you who have been with me forever on this journey. I know it's more than that, but especially I think when we were I was like live streaming during the pandemic. I I talked a lot of a little bit about this. So you might have if you're an OG, you know a little bit about this already, but to the other others, the new people who um, you know, function in society a little more normally than the rest of us. Today I want to talk about my time as a babysitter. Specifically as a babysitter for one person. And I didn't, um, yeah, I didn't really exactly plan this out. I just kind of want to speak from the heart and from memory because I do feel a specific weird level of excitement to share this because I don't know. It's like, you know, I feel like when I moved to LA, I was so nostalgic for high school and like obsessive about it. And then now that it's like, you know, 13 years later, I'm really nostalgic for those early days in LA where I was barely even present because I was living in some sort of a fake universe where I was still in high school most of the time, but I'm ready to talk about it. I'm excited. So before I moved to LA, I was a college student at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, and I, I hated it. I really hated it, you guys, to the point where I didn't even spend the weekends at my own college. You know, the weekend when like everyone at the Big Ten schools is like drinking and partying and having fun? Not me. I took a train home to my parents' house every, I think I, I think I would, oh yeah, cause I had class on Fridays. So I would usually take the train Friday night or, uh, Saturday. I'd get home. I remember I'd always watch Saturday Night Live by myself on the couch. My parents would watch it upstairs in bed. And on Sundays, I would take an improv class at IO. This, it was Improv Olympic in Chicago. And 
I was taking those classes there because I had discovered it over the summer and fell in love and was like, I can't go back to school and give this up. And so the compromise was like, okay, I'll just go home every weekend. So weird. It was like a two and a half hour train ride. Like it's not unimaginable, but it's not normal. (laughs) Anyways, I'm just kind of setting the scene a little bit, but the summer over the summer, when I was taking the classes in Chicago, uh, and just kind of living life as like a weird girl who was pretty insecure about her body and didn't really have a ton of friends, you know, didn't really fit in. Like there wasn't a group of people I had gone to high school with who were like there for the summer. It wasn't like that. It wasn't necessarily fun. You know, this was kind of the era of my life where we hadn't, had gotten Wi-Fi in our house yet. So I was still like shadily kind of able to steal the Wi-Fi from our neighbors and like it would work in one part of my bedroom. And so I would like hold my laptop in a certain position so that I could get Wi-Fi and like watch Bridget Daily on YouTube. And she made these funny like YouTube videos about living in LA. Clearly I knew what I wanted already. And I would look on Craigslist. I was so bored and lonely. I was like always on Craigslist, like looking up weird opportunities. I think at one point I worked as a movie extra. You know, I think at one point I met up with a stranger off of Craigslist. When I say I think, I mean, I know I did. And I remember I was wearing BB dresses And I was so insecure in my body because I had put on a lot of weight in college and I was like wearing these BB dresses that like would wrap tightly around your today's and then it would like flow out. So it would kind of like hide the rest of my body. And I remember like I love this one dress and I bought it in like three different patterns. And one day um, we were invited to my cousin's wedding. My cousin, Christina, who actually passed away this year, may she rest in peace, very sad and tragic, absolutely horrible, breast cancer, get your checks, Um, everything sucks. But we went to her wedding and it was really exciting because she, you know, she was older and she was getting married for the first time and it was, they were, you know, like probably in their I don't know, my mom would know, but 30s, 40s. And so they had like a low-key, chill wedding reception at their um, at their house in the city, which I don't think it's really a house. I don't, what are those called? Like most homes in Chicago, is it like a, it's not a brownstone, but it's like a townhouse kind of thing. Anyways, I remember we were in the outdoor patio and we were like mingling and it was me, my mom and my dad think my sister was there, but I'm not sure. Anyways, here I was, you know, like not really fitting in anywhere. I was wearing my BB dress and I sit down next to this woman and she starts talking to me and she is like instantly everything I've ever wanted in life. She's beautiful. She's brunette. She's petite. She's 
you know, probably in her 40s and she's just fucking cool and she's really friendly to me and she's like asking me questions. She's just genuinely curious about me. And of course, she's also wearing a BB dress, but not like the sad girl one that I was wearing. She was wearing the like wrap BB dress where it's like super fitted and you can see her beautiful, like perfect hourglass figure. And again, like she was such a ideal idol for me right out the gate because she was a like a short petite brunette similar to me. And I was just so excited to be talking to her. Like, keep in mind, you know, I'm only like 20 at this time. And so I hadn't really been exposed to like new adults yet. You know, that's kind of the age where like the only adults, you know, are your fucking parents. Like real adults don't want to talk to 20 year olds. You don't even have opportunities to meet them. And here I am seated next to this like ultimately super fabulous woman who's from Beverly fucking Hills. And she's asking me questions and she's instantly giving me advice. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is a, this is a, this is my, this is my soulmate. Like this is a person I've always wanted to meet. And you know, my parents were, you know, my parents, my sister, like they were off mingling with family, but here I was like connected with this woman. I was just on my own talking to this fabulous adult. And of course I'm like, wait a second. This woman is like at a family function. Holy shit. Am I fucking related to her? Sadly, no, I wasn't. It turned out she was literally a friend of a friend of my cousin. And it, which is like very strange, right? Like it doesn't even make sense. But to explain her situation, she had just gone through a divorce. And so she was like, she heard that her friend was going to this wedding and she said, Oh, I'll, I'll come to Chicago for the weekend and I'll be your date. Instantly. I'm like, Oh my God, who is this cool lady? That's just like, I'll come to a wedding of someone. I have no idea who they are just for a fun weekend in Chicago. Like, Oh my God, adults can be this cool. And also like just the thought that my family was like doing their own thing. And here I am like in this deep bond with this like chic ass woman. Turns out she was an entertainment lawyer, but didn't really like that gig. And so she was, you know, figuring out what was next for her recently divorced. And, um, I remember when we, we, we were at the reception at my cousin's house and then we were going to like some, restaurant where we were having a meal and she was even like oh I'll ride with you guys and so she literally got in my fucking dad's car with me my mom my dad and my sister if she was there I can't remember um (laughs) but I was like this woman is so cool she's just like hanging out with me and my family like ah like it was so starstruck it was literally like having a real life Barbie doll in just like going places with you out of nowhere, you know? And like, I told you guys, I was so lonely. Like I had no one. This was just the perfect dream come true. Anyway, like I said, she's giving me all this advice, right? Like I told her I was in school for journalism and she was like, well, where are you interning? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you need to have an internship. And sure enough, she's the reason why that school year I got an internship at a local news station 
you know, all these little things that I think I wasn't exposed to. I just was able to absorb so much knowledge from her right then and there, like in that short interaction. Anyways, she gives me her her contact info and she's like, hey, if you're ever in LA, give me a call. I'll give you a job. I was like, what? What do you mean? She's like, well, I always need help. And she even, I remember, had recommended a book to me of a guy, written by a guy who she like dated at some point. And I bought the book and I read it. And like, she just gave me like weird advice. Like, you know, it, it was cool. It was just a really great, like clearly very uh, monumental core memory, if you will. Anyways, so fast forward, you know, I go through my junior year of college, halfway through at least. I'm interning. I'm kind of just doing my thing. But, you know, it, it doesn't, she, she didn't change my life. I'm still me and I'm still a person who hated my school and it was just never going to work out for me. So come to, cut, cut to, the start of my second semester of my junior year when I decide to move to school. And this woman was really not on my mind. I want to be clear. Like, I had a great experience with her. She inspired me. I bought that book. But it wasn't like I was thinking about her all the time. Like, I, I hadn't really given her much thought. But then when I had my little whatever you'd want to call it, like crisis breakdown when I decided to drop out of school and finally was able to convince my dad via the help of my best friend, Matt Zeidman, who literally called my dad and convinced him. Uh, I remembered, oh my God, that woman. And so I immediately emailed her and was like, hey, guess what? just so happens, I'm actually dropping out of school and I'm going to move to LA. She writes back to me right away. She goes, amazing, sweetie. Let me know when you're here. Let's do it. I need. I always need help. So fast forward all the dramatic things of moving out of school, which I can get into another time. Um, but I eventually get to LA April 13th, 2009. And literally the next day I'm at her house working for her. She, she was not looking to waste any time. She's like, the, the day you get here, let's go. So I go to her house and it's off to the races. I'm like the first day I get there, she's like, my knees hurt today. Can you drive for me? I'm like, sure. So we get in her car, this Range Rover. Oh, side note. Oh my gosh, I forgot that I had told her um, the day that I had moved home from college before I moved to LA and she literally put me to work right then and there. I remember she was like, like, it was so someone from a different life because immediately she's like, can you call the Sherman Oaks Range Rover dealer and see if they have this specific model with this specific package and when are they going to have? And I was like, uh, what? Like I, I had never, I didn't even know what a Range Rover was, but here I was like calling a Range Rover place. Like that is the kind of assistant work that obviously now makes a ton of sense for someone who's working for a fabulous person in Los Angeles. But like it was a foreign language to me at the time. 
Anyways, so I get to her house that morning, that first morning in LA. It's a beautiful home in like this most precious pocket of Beverly Hills, Beverly Glen, like just like fabulous home, looks perfect, perfect white house with black detailing, big garage. I pull in. Like I said, she's, she answers the door in her robe. She's like, my knees hurt. Can you drive me? I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So I drive her around. You know, I take her on some of her errands. I drive her to her Pilates class and I basically start working for her and I start working for her. I work for her every day and it's all, it's basically just like honestly housewife shit. And I remember in particular, she was really excited when I told her I dropped out because she said, this is perfect timing. You can help me with my wedding. That's right. The woman who was divorced six months before was already getting married again. So a couple of like the core memories I have from these like first few weeks of working with her, you know, one was I I drove with her to pick up her kids from school. It was over somewhere like on Mulholland Drive, which is just like where all the fabulous people go to school. It was my very first LA celebrity sighting because when we pulled up, Victoria fucking Beckham was standing there with her children. And I remember this woman whose name I'm not saying, uh, this woman who I was babysitting looks over at me and she's like, is Victoria Beckham skinnier than me? And I was like, uh, what? Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't know. No. And we drove off and we went to this like really chic, um, strip mall, like, strip mall really does not make sell it the correct way but it's like if you've ever seen Britney Spears getting her frappuccinos in like a fabulous little mall area that's like whatever it's like Beverly Glen I I should look it up I don't really know what it is but there's like a little restaurant and like just little shops and stuff and anyways we're there and I, meanwhile, I'm, you guys, like this is a place that I would be a little bit starstruck and out of place and uncomfortable in literally today, 13 years in LA, like a a person with a full career, a 34-year-old woman, like I would feel out of place at that that like fancy rich person area. But I was there 13 years ago as like a chubby 21-year-old idiot. And I remember we were out to lunch. It was me, her, and our two kids. And the waitress came over and asked us if we wanted dessert. And the woman had said, oh, she answered for me. She said, oh, she's trying to lose weight. She doesn't need any dessert. And what's really probably even more fucked up than that is how much I loved her for doing it. At first it stung a little, but I was like, whoa, like I'm under someone's wing. Like I am in a cult now and she is my cult leader and I do what she says. Well, at least in front of her. Obviously when I went home, I ate my whole apartment. So it's not like it really worked. (laughs) Like the fantasy is not real. And, um, another thing we were, oh, and then, oh my God. 
she wanted me to lose weight because she wanted me to play Jasmine at her wedding. So she was planning this fabulous wedding in Palm Springs. And I was really excited because I had never even, I'd barely even heard of Palm Springs, much less been there. And so she had sent me to this like costume warehouse in Santa Monica where I was trying on Jasmine costumes. And I was so confronted with all my insecurities because like Jasmine exposes her fucking midriff okay i had not exposed my midriff since i was like 10 years old so i was like fuck i gotta look good in this jasmine costume at somebody's wedding oh my what what very overwhelming very out of my league very stressful anyways things sort of started to take a weird turn you know i met her parents i met her mom her mom would come over during the day and you know i would play with her kids and I noticed that her mom was a little strange. There was a day where it was just me and the two kids, a boy and the girl, and the mom was there and she'd gone out into the backyard and picked like a wonderful, bountiful bowl harvest of fresh lemons. And for what seemed like over an hour, she was working on making this fresh squeezed lemonade. And she finally came over to serve it to the kids. And I was like, oh my God, like handmade fresh lemonade. Like this is so magnificent. This is California, baby. And then like neither of the kids wanted it. And then the woman didn't want it either. And then the grandma just dumped it out. Like No one ever even tasted the lemonade. It was just disposed of. And I remember feeling like, God, that is one of the eeriest, creepiest things I've ever witnessed. This woman just made this magnificent lemonade for no fucking reason. Side note, when I, which that was just disturbing to me. Like, and that might not be that disturbing to some people. And like, I get it now. It's kind of about like the act of making it, but. It was just weird to me. Like that was not something that I would ever experience. You know, my growing up, like we made lemonade from the jar. It's like called like country time powder. And certainly we weren't, we didn't have fresh lemons. And I just can't imagine throwing it away. I'm like, put it in the fridge for later. I don't know. It just really blew me away. And I also remember um, one of our trips to Whole Foods where we were grocery shopping together. She had uh, bought turkey pastrami, which I thought was so cool. And like to this day, I still get turkey pastrami because I'd never heard of it. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's like so awesome because I love pastrami and I love turkey. So if you've never tried it, highly recommend. This is these are just the things I've learned from rich people, which there's a lot more. But so then we were, you know, then I it started to, like I said, things were taking a little bit of a turn. Um one day when it was just me and the two kids, the woman came home and she had brought home a dress for her daughter to wear to her wedding. And the daughter was so happy to see her mom. She clearly missed her mom. I remember she greeted her mom and she started crying because she was so happy to see her mom. And it was like this horrible misunderstanding that I was witnessing there in real time. Like the daughter was crying And the mom was just mad at the daughter for not being like happy to see her new dress. Like it was really weird. And I I felt so much guilt watching it and 
knowing there wasn't anything I could do to get involved because by then I was like, I think I need to like kind of stay out of her way. And I remember also she really loved watching American Idol. And I also remember, again, like eating disorder stuff. She had kept um, a box of protein bars like in the little TV stand in her bedroom. And I think that's probably why I did that shortly after I would keep protein bars like in my bedroom. I was like, God, that's so weird. But of course I copied her because I'm like such a little wannabe. But I remember being like, I can't believe this fabulous woman likes American Idol, just like me and my parents. Like I was like, life is so weird. I don't understand anything. Anyway, she kind of started to get mean and like the charm was wearing off. And one day I was uh doing some wedding prep stuff and one of her best her childhood best friends came over to help me and I don't really know why her friend was like help I guess that's normal friends help each other plan for weddings but it didn't really seem like a healthy friendship because this friend was sitting there working with me and honestly she was pretty mean she was pretty like looking back like pretty passive aggressive and like weird and just kind of treating me like talking down to me. And I, I've talked about this before, but I'll never forget a thing she said to me when she was asking me questions about myself. She was like, oh, I hope you didn't move to LA to meet a man because it's not going to work out. A lot of girls move here thinking they're going to meet a man and it, it's not it's not easy like that. And I was like, and what's funny is I just remember thinking like, bitch, if you think I moved to a city to meet a man, you are a fucking idiot, okay? And now I know that's a thing people do. People move to different cities to meet new people. That is totally cool. But in that moment, I was so talked down to, I just felt so defensive. I was like, no, I'm not here to meet a man. Like, bitch, I'm here to fucking be a comedian. Like, what are you saying? And another time when the woman the main woman had talked down to me. You know, I remember she was kind of trying to push me away from pursuing comedy. She was like, just so you know, I've lived here my whole life and a lot of people don't make it. I've seen people who have it all. They've got the talent, they've got the connections and they just never make it. A guy I dated was a musician, never happened for him. And I just felt like, God, that's so dark. But it didn't bother me. I don't know why. It just didn't really phase me. I think by that time, you know, I'd already seen the cracks and the crevices or whatever of of the bad personality traits. And oh my God, by the way, she, the man that she was marrying was so, of course, as the tale always goes, was so lovely. And I remember once I was at family dinner with them and he was asking me questions and you know, heard I wanted to be in entertainment. And, you know, he even mentioned, you know, oh my God, well, you know, she, his soon to be wife knows these agents. And she was like, that, that, that wouldn't work. And to be fair, no, I was not ready to be signed to Gwyneth Paltrow's agent. That is, she was correct, but it was just sweet that he was offering something generous, even though it was, he was wrong and dumb, but sweet. Um, and I think like her tough love, while it was somewhat rude, it was also pretty realistic. And I don't really fault her for that. I really fault the friend though for like 
treating me like some idiot that moved here to like meet a man, which by the way, bitch, I did meet a man, but I didn't move here to do that. So the joke's on you. Anyways, then there was a day where me and her mom were filling jars of candy and, you know, she wanted to have, this was another thing that I learned about rich people. They had cookies and candies and every treat you could imagine everywhere. And I remember like saying to her, like, oh my gosh, like, why do you have this stuff? Like, isn't this like what we're not supposed to have? And she was like, well, I want my kids to be exposed to it all the time. So it's not naughty. And so that they, that they can always, it's just kind of like no big deal. And I sort of feel like she was probably right about that because looking back, like when I think back to my cousins who grew up with like where candy was like outlawed from their house, they just grew up to be really fucked up from that. So, you know, this woman was pretty smart. I got it. I, I'll give her that. Anyways, we're like filling these these glass jars with like all sorts of like fabulous candies and then we're tying rubber bands and lids on the top of them, like cellophane lids. And I remember while I was filling one, one of them cracked and I was so scared. You guys, I was so scared. Like there was not a, like there was just no chance I was going to be willing to like come forward and say like I broke one and it wasn't even my fault. Like I swear I did nothing wrong. Like it was just really, it just happened and I was so scared. And so for some way, somehow I was able to like wrap the lid and the rubber band around it without it like falling to pieces. And I just like set it to the side and was like, I'm never touching that one again. I'm so scared. But then I felt so bad because her mom, <laughs> it's, it makes, it's funny though. Her, then her mom picks that one up. And of course it fucking shatters everywhere. And I remember the woman turned to her mom and snapped at her. Mom, you have to be careful with these. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, this is my fault. I feel so bad, but I'm way too scared. Anyways, <clears throat> slowly but surely, this job was not working out for me. And, you know, I was probably not doing a great job. I was not qualified for the things she needed me to do. And, you know, I was getting more serious about doing open mics and I was really committed to them. And I started, I think she started to need me less and less and we just kind of, it fizzled out and I stopped working for her. So it, this was a pretty short-lived little stint. I would say it went on for just a few months, maybe three months. And I didn't end up being Jasmine at her wedding. Thank fucking God. Now, I didn't forget about her. I thought about her a lot, actually. And a year later, I even wrote her an email updating her about my life in LA. I wrote to her about, you know, the things I was doing in comedy and my new boyfriend and, you know, how much I was enjoying living in LA. And she wrote me back a really nice email just saying that she'd love to come out to one of my shows sometime. And, you know, it was really sweet. And I, I felt really good to be on good terms with her. That was something that I really needed, which I've since learned, like, you know, I think if you're in, even if it's like a minorly 
psychologically abusive relationship, which I wouldn't even really call it that. But I think a person always wants to stay on good terms with with a person like that. It's just I, I, I can research that psychology another time, but there's something to that. So it felt really important to me to be on good terms with her. Another year goes by and I'm like, what, whatever happened to her? You know, by then I was a little too self-conscious, I think, to reach out. I, I didn't want to bother her. I, I had low self-esteem. I didn't think she really meant that she wanted to go to one of my shows. So I decided to Google her and it turned out she had made some big headlines with her wedding because her wedding was a very big deal in the legal community because her wedding was not a wedding. Her wedding was a commitment ceremony. And because this woman was a lawyer and was what some would call a bad bitch or maybe a criminal or maybe a scam artist, con artist, whatever, manipulative, manipulative brunette. Um, she had this famous case because her wedding was a commitment ceremony. And the reason her wedding was a commitment ceremony was so that she could spend her life and commit to her new quote unquote husband while still receiving alimony from her previous husband. And there was these articles written about her saying like, this woman has really, she's really done it. A woman with a legal background who really pulled off a scheme. And I, my jaw just dropped. I was like, of course, of course, the fabulous woman who just completely seduced me and had me entranced by her pulled off a crazy scam. Part of me, of course, had to love it, had to had to respect it. I always thought that was pretty silly and pretty funny. Anyways, life moved on and I, you know, was very consumed in my career and pretty much forgot about her. And, you know, by the way, I want to interject here that after I stopped working for her, I had many other babysitting gigs that were very healthy, very wonderful. I actually ended up working for a, another Beverly Hills mom who was the exact opposite of her, but was fabulous, but warm and loving and wonderful. And I, who I'm still in touch with to this day, but I just want to say like, it, it's not all bad, but this one was, you know, a special one. Anyways, Fast forward, I, again, I don't think about this woman for essentially an entire decade. Fast forward to the pandemic where, you know, we all have extra time on our hands and I was obviously bored and she just kind of came across my mind. And well, actually, the reason she came across my mind was because uh, I didn't know this at the time, but through a friend of Dave's, I put it together who her ex-husband was, her original ex-husband was. And it turns out, not only was he a really rich guy, you know, not just like a really rich guy. No, no, no. This guy was a billionaire. Her ex-husband was a billionaire. Now, I don't know if he was a billionaire when they were together or if he became a billionaire after, but that's a fucking big deal, okay? 
I was like, oh my God, Dave, I didn't know this. I can't believe it. Like, I always knew they were fabulous, but I didn't know they were like whole billion Kim Kardashian wealth level wealthy, whatever. So post skims Kim wealth. So I'm like, I got to look, I got to look her up. I got to like, what's new with her? I got to see what's out there. Cause you know, I, I disconnected Facebook by then. I just didn't have any way of like snooping on her life. I was like, let me do my deep dive. I find she had remarried again and you guys won't believe it. She had remarried another billionaire. And I found this article about this like $40 million beautiful home that they had bought together. And I was like, this woman, damn it. She's fucking good. Okay. Like she knows what she wants and she gets it. And like, it's wonderful. Right. And so I continue my Google search because I'm just like, God, everything I find, it just gets better and better. Like the drama, it just keeps coming. The, the, like, I feel like I'm, I'm adjacent to a soap opera. And I really was because the next thing I found in my Googling was an obituary. And I was in shock. And I kept looking to confirm, to figure out anything that I could figure out. And I I figured it out. I discovered that this woman who I have been talking about this whole time ended her own life. And I, just as my jaw had dropped, discover she had married two billionaires. You better believe I could not fucking believe it. I was screaming. I was just like, what? She had took her own life. I, it was a twist that I never in a million years could have ever expected. And to this day, I'm, I'm confused. I'm in shock. And I know that like no one taking their life ever makes any sense. But I, I, this woman who had essentially felt like some sort of a twisted version of a superhero to me, like, I, 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 I just didn't understand. And she had two kids and the $40 million house and like the beautiful childhood in Beverly Hills and like the perfect, beautiful brunette body and like, what the fuck? And ultimately, like, that's why I don't want to say who she is because this story is like, and she's not famous. You know, you, you wouldn't know her. There's no chance you would know her. She lived a very private life, but I, it's something I'm still really just deeply confused by. And like, certainly one day, I, it's a hope of mine to connect with anyone from her life to sort of see what happened because, you know, I know that she was not very nice and she was actually rather hurtful. I still really have a lot of love for her and I cherish the time that we shared. And like, I, she took me under her wing. I mean, yes, it was, some would say psychologically abusive and like 
at times emotionally abusive, but I, I'm really the the best word is confused. I'm really confused. And, you know, I know that a, a big thing that comes up is like, holy shit, money doesn't mean anything. But then I go, well, God, is it, is it like too much money? Is that the problem? Like, I just can't figure it out. Or is it something deep within a person that causes them so much turmoil that leads them to marry two billionaires and like that it's never enough and like the, the it, that ending is inevitable no matter how you slice it like I just don't know but my <clears throat> excuse me I'm sick still like my experience of life with of my experience of her in my life was very profound and I I cherish the time that we had and I'm just left so confused. And I just wanted to share that story with you guys because it's really left a mark on me and it's really dark. And I think it's also, there's like insight in there and there's drama and hopefully a little comedy and so I just wanted to get that off my chest and share it with you guys. And I think because I'm still sick, I'm going to end it there this week. But I really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to this story and being a creative, intelligent person on this journey with me. And um, yeah, I love you guys. That's the story of my first experience babysitting when I moved to LA. And I will see you guys next week.